0: Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiatives podcast. My name is Ben Craven and today we're joined by Dr Oliver Hartwich. Oliver, welcome. Hi Ben. Oliver, you recently had another newsroom column about the German election. Uh, Germans went to the polls on the 26th and now we have a result. Can you tell us a bit more about what we know, what we don't know and what sort of political configurations are open?
1: Yes we have a result. The main result is that the CDU, so the party of Angela Merkel, lost almost nine percent under its lead candidate Armin Laschet. They're now down to just over 24 percent. So just for explanation, the CDU-CSU, it's the German equivalent of national, so they are on 24 percent. The SPD, Social Democrats, the German equivalent of Labour, they have gone up to almost 26 percent. So they have um, increased their vote by about five. Um, So they are in the lead now, but still miles away from previous levels of, you know, 35, 40, 45%. And then we've got two smaller parties, one, the Greens, they are on just under 15%. That sounds a lot. That's a lot more than they got in the last election in 2017. And still, it is miles away from where they thought they might be, just a few months ago but they had a disastrous election campaign. And the fourth party, the FDP, that's the Liberal Party, the New Zealand equivalent would be ACT. They are on just under 12% which is also a very decent result for them. Traditionally the FDP scored in the lower single digits. Now for the second time running and actually it's the first time in its history that it has this kind of result, it is in the double digits. So that's the broad outcome. There is, of course, also the AFD, which is the populist right-wing party. They are also on about 11%. And then there is the post-communist party. So basically what's left of the communist rulers of East Germany, they are on 49 which normally would mean that they would miss out on seats in parliament, except they won three constituency seats. And under German electoral law, that is enough to bring in all the other MPs as well. It's a bit like what happens in New Zealand with EPSOM or used to happen with EPSOM. You win one constituency, you basically bring in your whole list based on your uh, proportional result. In Germany that happens too, except you need three constituencies and guess what? The left party has exactly three constituencies, so they're in parliament too. So what we have now is a parliament of many parties and it's complicated forming a coalition government. There's only one possible option which would enable two parties to govern on their own That would be a continuation of the so-called grand coalition. So that's Social Democrats and Christian Democrats. Except there's not much grand about this kind of coalition. If combined, they only have about 50% of the votes. And nobody really wants it anyway, because they have governed now for the past eight years. Actually, of Merkel's 16 years in the chancellery, 12 of them she governed with the Social Democrats. So it's fair to say that both parties are really over that kind of coalition. Germany then needs a party, uh, well, a co- coalition of three parties. And there, the question is really just where the Greens and the FDP, the Liberals, end up. Will they go together with the winner of the election? And that would be the Social Democrats under Olaf Scholz. Or would they go together with the Christian Democrats under Armin Laschet? That's the only question really now that Germany is discussing after the election. Right, this is the first
0: election after Angela Merkel. The CDU has slumped in the polls. In your recent Australian Financial Review column, uh, it's safe to say you're no fan of Angela Merkel.
1: What do you I think, think th- that's fair to say.
0: <laughs> what do you think the main problems are with the CDU at the
1: moment? Well, it's difficult to know where to start. Um, I think the CDU is a party really in ruins, and that's not because Angela Merkel has left now, that's because she led it before. So Merkel has not left much of her own party. She has shifted the party so far to the left. In all these coalitions with the Social Democrats, she tried to outdo the Social Democrats and become even more social democratic than the SPD. She has also flipped flop on basically all her positions. There's not a single position, I think, that Merkel wouldn't have held, and also the opposite. So she was for the military draft and then was against it. She was for nuclear power and then against it. She was against Uh, same-sex marriages, and then for them. She was um, against bailing out Greece and then did it anyway. She was against joint debt for the European Union, and now she is in favor of it. So basically, Merkel has flip-flopped so many times based on opinion polls. I argued in my AFR piece that Angela Merkel governed Germany for 16 years, but she never really led it because there was no leadership. She was just following opinion polls, the spiegel magazine in germany the big news magazine once called it government by numbers and there's never been a federal government in germany that commissioned that many opinion polls as angela merkel the problem with all of that is of course that worked for a while because merkel herself was popular don't ask me why i don't like her that much but for many german voters at least she looked reliable because um she was smiling she was not very good at rhetoric she's not a good speaker But people kind of thought that they knew her anyway. And that was enough then to keep her in government and keep the party re-elected. Now that she's gone, her party has absolutely no discernible positions. They had an election campaign that was basically void of any programmatic ideas or visions. And the party doesn't know what it is anymore. And that's the problem. Right, now
0: turning our attention to the Social Democrats, uh, who look to be in the driver's seat to form the next government, what do we know about Olaf Scholz, the leader of the SPD? What are his political instincts like, and what are his what are his policy commitments?
1: Well, with Olaf Scholz, we know everything and nothing. Olaf Scholz is someone who's been around for decades. He first turned up in the 1970s as a young Social Democrat, and At that time, he appeared to be on the left wing of his party. But then again, that's where most Social Democrats start. And then they kind of migrate through the party until they finish up on the right wing. That's a typical kind of SPD career. Then Scholz held a number of positions within the party. He was the party's secretary general for a while under Gerhard Schröder when Schröder actually reformed the German labor market and the German welfare state. So not quite a left-wing agenda, and Olaf Scholz was instrumental in pushing it forward as secretary general. Then he was um, for a while employment minister in the federal government. He was mayor of Hamburg, which um, maybe doesn't sound like much, but Hamburg is a federal state, so it's quite an important role in the system of governance in Germany. And then he was for the last four years Minister of Finance and Vice-Chancellor in Merkel's government. So you would kind of think with someone who's been around for such a long time, you would know a lot about him. The problem is actually, we don't. And Olaf Scholz comes from Hamburg. Hamburgers in Germany have a reputation for being very sober, almost British, um, very controlled. There's this kind of joke that when it rains in London, they open the umbrellas in Hamburg. And and that's basically (laughs) Olaf Scholz. So he is extremely controlled. If you watched him in the election campaign, he didn't really show any emotions. He was extremely guarded in his answers to any kind of questions. He had his preferred phrases. And actually, Scholz is famous for being very prone to using phrases. There was a nickname invented for him about 20 years ago, Scholz so So it's basically you push a button and you get exactly the phrase that Scholz had prepared for that. And you know, that is what we know about Olaf Scholz. So on the one hand someone who's been around for a long time, who came from the left, who then implemented more right-wing economic reforms, but then also someone who never really gives that much away and keeps a very controlled image of himself. So that's Olaf Scholz. He is portrayed as a reliable kind of politician, someone who might be just as reliable as people thought Angela Merkel was. And actually Scholz, did his best to present himself as a kind of a male version of Angela Merkel. Um, he even imitated her gestures quite on purpose and it wasn't noticed in the election campaign. So that's Scholz. And the problem is, even though he's totally controlled, he presents himself as another kind of Angela Merkel, his party is not quite like that. His party is actually quite left-wing. It has moved to the left in the last few years, They have two very left-wing party chairpeople because Scholz is not the party chair. He actually lost out on an election to the party leadership two years ago in a membership referendum of the Social Democrats and almost left politics at that time. And it will be interesting to see how that goes together, the very controlled, pragmatic Scholz and his very left-wing party. On top of all of that, should not forget that Scholz is probably... Of the three candidates who ran for the chancellorship in Germany, the one with actual political scandals, he is in in well, in some way implicated in the so-called Cum-Ex scandal. That is a scandal where some banks in Germany and in Europe actually defrauded taxpayers and got tax refunds for taxes they never paid. And To this day, it's unclear how much Scholz actually knew about this when he was mayor of Hamburg, because a small Hamburg private bank got extremely involved in these dodgy deals. Um, Then there was recently a search of his ministries. The Minister of Finance and the Public Prosecution Service actually searched the ministry, and nobody really knows how much Scholz has uh, to do with that. And he had a few other minor scandals along the way. For example, the Wirecard scandal, you know, that was a big DEX 30 listed company um, that had um, well, basically an invented balance sheet. So they kind of made up a few billion euros. But Scholz as Minister of Finance and his officials didn't see anything wrong in this. So there are a few scandals that could still come to haunt him, depending on what we find out about how much he knew. Right, it sounds like he comes with a fair bit of baggage then. Yeah, but the, the, the good thing for Olaf Scholz is that people generally don't understand such technicalities of tax deals and um, you know, financial supervision and card. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that people reading the Financial Times would get. But ordinary voters see Scholz and think he is a very reliable, decent kind of candidate. And who knows what he knew anyway.
0: Well, that raises a good point. So he's a regarded as a decent, reliable candidate but the SPD only managed to attract around a quarter of the vote. It's a similar deal with the CDU. Is there a certain level of instability in the German system at the moment um, due to those main two parties only attracting around a quarter of the vote each?
1: Yes, and there are some commentators in Germany saying that. They say, well, actually, we've never had a chancellor who starts with that law legitimacy. So if a chancellor only comes from a party with about 24 26%, that is different from a chancellor achieving maybe 40, 45 and getting a small coalition partner to support him, as we had it in the past. So um it could be quite difficult actually keeping this government together. But then again, the times have changed. Maybe this is the new normal for German politics. And maybe the time of the so-called Volkspartei, the People's Party, so, you know, big Organizations bringing together um, a variety of different views, but scoring you know thirty-five to forty-five percent. Maybe that time is over.
0: Right, fascinating times. Oliver Hardwich, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. For our latest research opinions and events sign up for our weekly newsletter at nzinitiative.org.nz